are. Here we are. The Hardcore Marketing Show. My name is Casey Cheshire. I'm so excited for you all to join me here today. Uh, we've got an awesome show coming up, an amazing guest. We spoke yesterday, had an awesome chat. I almost wish we had that recorded as well. Uh, so ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce our star really for today's show. It's Jim Lenskold and uh, the guest here on the Hardcore Marketing Show. He is the president and founder of the Lenskold Group. And um, Jim, great to be here. Uh, great to have you here and, yeah. and say hello. Casey, I'm so excited. This is a, it's such a high energy program. It's, it, you know, I, and you're such a great person to talk to. I think we're going to have a great time here for this hour. Absolutely. Well, welcome. And, and again, for everyone listening, today's show is sponsored by Cheshire Impact, helping you maximize your marketing automation and CRM. Ba-bam. And uh, man, now, Jim, let's just start out. This is the hardcore marketing show. Uh, we like to throw down shots fired, as we say. Are there any myths? And, and I, maybe I should just preface, the reason we have you on here today, the CSI, the, the, the maturity model for marketing automation says, don't just go build things, be smart about it, do the next step. And the theme for this month is reporting. It's ROI. It's understanding where did you get those really good leads on the B2B side that turned into revenue out the back end? Where, where, where are the successful ones coming from? And what's amazing is like we talked to so many people that don't know the answer to that. So it's the theme for this month, and I was researching it. And wouldn't you know, you wrote the book on it. So I did. Literally, <laughs> Marketing ROI, y'all should check it out on Amazon. Uh, but Jim wrote this book on Marketing ROI. That's the theme for this month. It's number two on the CSI for Marketing Automation. So you're here, but we started talking yesterday, and it sounds like there's some myths out there. There's some bogus strategy yeah, crush right at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to set it up by saying one of the things that where people go wrong, and the, it's, it's along the lines of the myth, is – I'm not even sure what ROI is, right? Return on investment. <laughs> right. And so, so I like to define it up front because I've seen a million things like what is return? Uh, you know, is it impressions? Is it yes. engagement? No, 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 no. This is the real stuff. ROI is a financial term. It is return on investment. The return is typically margin or net profit, right? So it's the, that's what the finance people care about. And then the investment we know is how much we spend, but we need, we need to define it because we, you know, there's a lot of reasons we use this. It's a financial calculation. And if you're going to report results on marketing that have financial outcomes, the finance people are going to look close and we want to keep that credibility, right? Yeah. You're in the boardroom, you know, yeah. marketing finally got to see the You chair, get there, right. You got to see a mo and then the yeah. CFO just blasts you on your use of a financial term. So, right. so without watering yeah. it down in the marketing side, yeah, a, bit, a bit, or, or maybe misusing it, maybe big, making it too big of an umbrella. But here's the easy way to think about the calculation is... If you spend a million dollars on advertising, marketing, any events, anything that we're putting into that category, and you make a million dollars back in net profit, you are even. That's 0% ROI. <laughs> hey, I got my money back. And, and look, it's, it's the, one of the things we'll talk about a little bit is, you know, how much do we have to make? But if I make $1.2 million back in profit, I am 20% ahead. Okay, now people are getting, I have a benchmark and I can say, all right, I want to increase that. Obviously, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get smarter, whether at every stage of the buyer's journey, if we spend a little bit more, do we make more money? 
So right. that's that's the first part to kind of set the stage. Because we want to know what's working, right? What's exactly. Working, what's not working so we can right. stop doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's three big things I always look for it, it, once we put ROI on the board is, sure. are we making more money than we're spending? Good checkpoint. And Seems if I, logical. Yeah, exactly. And if I can look at all this ROI across different areas, it should give me some idea where should I allocate my budget? Let's put, put money where it makes money. Right. So that's the second one. But then there's another piece too, and that's um, once I get this feedback, I need to figure out how to improve what I'm doing. And that leads me to what I think is a key myth, and that a lot of marketers, if they're not doing this already, they go into it thinking this is pass-fail. Mm. So by pass-fail, they means, well, if I don't get a good ROI, they take the money back. But that's not how it's it works. In fact, right. in reality, it doesn't work that way. It is it's adding new information into our decision support, right? So if we can count leads, if we can look at conversion rates, if we look at marketing effectiveness, and we now can add in, how does that look financially? Then we get the chance to say, well, wait a second. Oh, now if I look at my, uh, you know, how different marketing performs, and I see I have this one marketing program that's good all the way through. In fact, it generates leads, but I they're not converting. Right. Ah, well, what do I do different? Is it me and the marketing group because right. I should be doing messaging or sure. is it the sales team that maybe I should invest some money to help them out? You know, in other words, right. do some things there or maybe I just have crappy leads, right? But it's this idea of a, it's a feedback loop. So, right. Yeah. You know, I, I think we were chatting about this the other day. I was yeah. working with a company and when we first started working with them, they were doing 80 trade shows and yeah. 80 trade shows and something was working because they were growing, yeah. but they didn't know which ones. <laughs> right. They were literally held hostage, right? They were shackled into That's right. each, I mean, 80 is a lot, right? That's 80 a, is a lot, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, the 80s all to coordinate, to attend. Yeah. That's a lot of open bars right there. Uh, you know what's... I have companies that have five and they're still asking the same question. Do I right. have to be at all these events? This is a lot of resources. Right. You're wasting and, time, money, right. energy. And, and just the, the final part to that was they put some sort of measurement in place. In this case, they're using Pardot. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. They found out it was almost silly like a Pareto 80-20. About uh, 30 of those 80 shows, 30, less than half, were actually the effective ones. Right. The other 50 were garbage. Yeah. They, they were like burning money in piles. Uh, and, it, and it hurts, right? Because, yeah. uh, because uh, well, it doesn't hurt. It's, it's, now, actually, and here's what I'm curious about, too, because – when I do this, whether it's events or other marketing channels, a lot of times what I find, and this is part of that pass-fail, is you have that, that, that set of marketing that it's working today. Though, you know, that's where I want to make sure I, I learn from that. I put more money into that. Then there's the portion that not only are they not working, I really didn't stand a chance. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? There's just sure. If I look at this, it's just so far. But there's this middle group that I always look for, right? Because if it, our role as marketers is to improve ROI. So it's not right. just funding what works. It's also finding this middle group and saying, you know what? If we approach this differently, right? Some just fall a little short or maybe we're, um, uh, we didn't, sometimes spending more makes a difference. What if that right. pattern was, hey, all these top tier events, we're actually buying a speaker slot or we're paying a little bit more for a better sure. booth. Yeah. Hey, that's what we're looking for is this process of just what do I do different? What do I do different? It's to me, it's always better. If you think about it, we make a plan, 
we fund what we can. And then the next idea is just kind of sit there. If I learn about what's happening in the ones that I've done, it's yeah. easier to improve than to start over and just say, throw that out, bring in something, and I'll just roll the dice and see if I could get a better ROI. Totally. So, so that's that mindset we want as we go through with this ROI. Yo, that's huge. I, I love, I was thinking of like gym, marketing ROI is not gym class, right? This is not exactly a right, right. Right. Yeah. Slow and steady. I, I'm, yes. I love that. So yeah. with the pass and fail, you lose so much because if you market as fail, to your point, you're starting over. You're going somewhere else. Right. And, and man, I thought about the trade show thing. I've been to some trade shows and some events that didn't go very well or they were okay, but how, would they have done better if we had been a speaker? Maybe. Yeah, right. Um, right. Or let's, but let's track it. Now let's be a speaker next year. Does right. it have any sort of effect on it or not? No? Okay. Well, now we know it's, it is what it is. But if it does, now we're improving on right. it. Right. There's a, a learning show, journey. A new show. Yeah. Yeah. A new area. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But we're, we're constantly asking that question of what could I do better and what else would work? You know, right. if you take all your marketing and put it into one marketing plan and go, it things will change and you'll learn from it. But if you have other, you know, if you can put some variation, some testing it, I think we said sure. we were, we would, we were going to go into testing some other point, but, but think about the learning curve. That's what, that's the big point here is we're constantly in, get some feedback, do something different, adjust. Right. You know, once you figure it out, the marketplace and the competitors change. So it's, this never ends. Right. You know, it, and it, and maybe we'll touch on this too. The yeah. idea that if, if it's pass or fail, but people might be scared that that's if, right. I, actually, if they approach it, pass or fail, Politically, culturally, you, you set yourself up more of a target. You know, ideally, you yeah, should have a right. target in your company, but yeah. hey, it, politics happens. So if, if it's pass or, it's on or off and it's a red, then you're dead, right? That's but right. if it's a, a gradual improvement, that yeah. makes a lot – it's more defensible. You say this is steady progress. Yeah, yeah. So um, what's the point? Like you keep moving forward? Is that the yeah, idea? Exactly. It's, yeah, exactly. We'll put it this way. There was one company – this goes back a few years, but – you know, a lot of this is a cultural transformation, right? Is we don't, none of us need more work, especially when it comes to finance or analytics, right? But, <laughs> but there's a point, there's a tipping point where all of a sudden, the, you know, as marketers, you go, oh, wait a second, this is actually more strategic than I think. And sometimes it requires a creative solution. But there was one company right. that they would have reward and recognitions for ROI, but not based on the actual ROI level based on how you improved. So if you huh. went from negative 50%, like you were just not recovering that money to negative 20%, you would be the type of person that would be rewarded. Look, the, okay. the, the, if, if, if we have marketing that's influencing buyer behavior, yep. we don't want to abandon it, but right. we have gaps and we have to figure that out. So there's a lot, it's, it's this idea. Um, the other part I like too, is it's really good at kind of motivating a, uh, a dialogue and uh, talk about sales and marketing alignment when both groups want to drive more sales is a good thing. Right. Uh, but sometimes, I mean, you know, in, in, in B2B Legion, what's one of the most frustrating points is when you have a set of leads you've earned through somehow mm -hmm. pass it on to the sales organization and they don't get called or contacted right. or something. Oh my mm -hmm. gosh. So that that's where, happens. <laughs> no, I know. but then it's that business dialogue that where you get to say, Hey, look, why would we invest this money to go halfway through the journey? Not only do we not close the deal or call, right. contact these people, but the people get frustrated because they kind of thought we should. So anyway, it's just learning and it's a dialogue and it's making sure all the pieces add up to, to what really, you know, 
what really counts is you got to cross that revenue line. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned that feedback loop too. Uh, Stephanie, one of the guests on actually the very first episode, she mentioned that at at her company, uh, it was archive social. They actually have almost like a daily feedback between marketing and sales of the conversations they had. And I know it sounded like a a unicorn to me. Yeah, that's great. Heck is going on. Daily. That's but yeah, impressive. Hey, I had a yeah. good call with this and they kind of meet and have some tea or she didn't right. have tea, but they probably had beer on the, on the sales side. <laughs> That's right. But yeah. That feedback, that the, the, the progress to move it forward. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. The idea of, well, if it's negative 20% ROI, well, I mean, I, it's a, it's better than 50. And then right, right. Not like a B2B sales cycle could be nine months. So maybe nah, I know. you're not going to realize that full ROI until a year and a half, but maybe uh, like a 300% a year and a half from now, you know, you know what? The timing is really important. And as yeah. companies look, we can't tackle everything all at once, right? We have this, right. this idea that we have to build capabilities, but one of the key things in B2B that I kind of look at as almost an essential ingredient is the idea of, um, we need projected revenue, projected ROI because of that long sales cycle. So I will tell you in almost every case, we would look, you know, whether it's, you know, look, we got, let's say we got through the majority of our lead generation, a couple different things we could do. We could take that average conversion rate, say this is where we're going to run. If we get better, we could sometimes use our lead scores Mm. to say, look, this campaign brought in groups with a higher lead score than this campaign, which means they're more likely to convert, right? So we can get better over time. Right. And then as we go, you know, three months down the road, six months down the road, we start using this combination of booked revenue and some portion of the opportunity revenue or whatever other we else we have kind of in the pipeline, right? Because it's, it's, we, we can't wait to make the decisions to me, you know, three months is the longest you'd want to go before you mm-hmm. say, do we repeat that or do we move on? That's a good point. You can't wait no. that nine months. No. Really? So, um, but, but it's always it how to, pause. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But it's always this idea of how do we get a little bit smarter, a little bit smarter. So right. every piece of information is going to get us closer and closer to, to being more accurate. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, you need to know what you have and what you don't have. And, and I get this yeah. now. Now how, how do you do that projection, right? It, yeah, yeah. Analytics is a lot of times we're look. We're I mean, what's the term? We're looking in the past. We're looking at yeah, yeah. We've got a the trailing indicators, and they don't right, right. indicate what's going going to happen. Shortly, yes. You know? Well, so there's that combination of you know if if we're just getting started, I would probably say that historical run rates are at least my best guess. Right? It's better, and it's <laughs> yeah. also better than 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 not doing that step because otherwise I just have a pool of leads. But what I really want to know is um, I think when it comes to projection, the better I get at understanding lead quality, right? And to me, lead quality, there's two components. The number one is, you know, are they likely to convert? But the other one, the second one is the value too, because sometimes we have a lower lead volume, but we expect them to close at a higher rate. Right. So usually that one we can see by the sales team, you know, within a short period of time, if they get into a sales qualified lead and they put some revenue in there, you know, we see if they're higher and lower than the average. But what's interesting is a lot of um, a lot of the best, not just the technology, but the, the analytics side that's kind of been improving for marketing based on all this good data is the, the predictive indicators. Right. Okay. And so this is where, you know, if um, you could if you get your lead scoring and say, Hey, you know, we tend to convert higher in certain industries or certain right. types of businesses, 
or if I see the the role, you know, the the buyer's role or their their job description, you know, then if I can weight that in, then I can say, you know, instead of going with the average conversion rate, I think I have a better projection. And again, it could be somewhat manual in the beginning. It can be very automated as it moves on. Yeah. Uh, So why not take the information that's available? And Mm. the nice thing is kind of once you go through and figure this out and set it up, it kind of continues to run any, like any good system, right? So the hard part is moving up in your capabilities from there. It gets to, um, Hey, that's great. Let's use it. Let's figure out what we do next. So it's a big part. That whole lead scoring, lead routing is a lot of what feeds into this. You know, it's funny, as we were talking yesterday, we're definitely going to hit testing. And I mentioned yeah. that testing is, I think, number seven on the, the maturity model for marketing automation. So, you know, hey, you, we're, get, we're getting you signed up already. <laughs> I know. It's one of my testing. favorite topics because how else do you move fast and how else do you right. beat the competition? It's right. because you figure out something different. And there's some, I'm going to save some good tips for, for when we can reconnect right. again. You know, but but it's, what's funny is yeah. also lead rating, having a uh, yeah. dimensional lead rating system is also uh, on the roadmap. And it's yeah. number five. And yeah, yeah. having that dialogue with sales, not just how busy are they, right. uh, but also what quality of a lead they are. Sometimes people yeah. just, they just track busyness. And they don't know, right. quality. So yeah, yeah well, so I'm, I'm writing down over here. Okay, you got to have you back for lead rating, <laughs> back for us. Uh, so get comfy over there. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> look, so, look at this. If you think about it, this is this is what makes it exciting. Is you know, as we get smarter as marketers, don't you love? It's like um, uh, you know, in any sports, you go out there and you perform better, and yeah. you have some feedback that tells you you're performing better. You get to go tell the boss, which whether it's you know someone within marketing or outside of marketing. It builds respect for marketing. You know, right. all these pieces are part of that. It's just, you know, we're out there to beat the competition and, and get the right buyers through that journey. Yeah, totally. Especially yeah. when you have a, I mean, uh, I've, I've had environments where I first come in there as the new marketer and I'm that guy or, you know. <laughs> right, right. Who are uh, they're marketing. I think they're yeah. collateral for us or some brand oh, or something, gosh. right? That's where it starts, right? We set up, yeah, we set up marketing automation, CRM, get things cranking. Suddenly, we get rid of some of that friction on the buyer's journey. Yeah, you're like, I like this guy. He's (laughs) the leads over here. They're taking me out for sushi and everything. Oh yeah, you're right. The result of it is huge. Um, But but one of the things I wanted to to sort of bring it back into even recording um, is one of the things we were chatting about, and and I think there's more to this than meets the eye. You know, the idea that. you mentioned earlier, it starts out as like a technical request. Hey, build me oh, right. a dashboard or report, but really it ends up being a strategic question. You know, it, maybe you could talk to me about, you know, people tend to be focused and this happens in marketing automation too. People can be focused on that, yeah. you know, click and build that thing, but they're not asking the question, you know, why am I doing it? What is the right. goal accomplished with this? Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is where a lot of, um, the big wins for ROI come in the planning stage, not in the back end. You know, you think of it as a measurement end game. And I will tell you, I'm not, I'm not even kidding how big these are in terms of, um, it's almost like saying, it's almost the exercise of, if I spend this money, what do I think is going to happen? Right. And it could be anywhere from I generate leads to, Hey, I build brand awareness. I do so I get some engagement and you have to ask the question and then what happens? And it's a little bit of, well, in the and then, past, right? Yeah. And so it could be, well, in the past when we've done this, you know, we see that a portion of those continue on uh, or whatever it's going to be. And it forces you to, it's a, 
it's a good exercise. It's a run the numbers because even, you know, once you run the numbers and say, well, this is what I think is going to happen. Right. Two different things. One is you could say, well, how could I make that better? What I'm here. I was like, oh, because sometimes I don't think downstream. Right. And, but the other thing it does, it says, wait a second, is there someone downstream that's going to take the baton and keep this going? I've got all these people engaged and I can't tell you, you know, it's that same thing. If you go back to, Hey, you generate leads and no one calls, what good is it? But it's also the, the idea of, um, if I get people on social, if I get them engaged, you know, uh, look, we have to build this over time. So we're not expecting everything to just pop out our revenue, but we have to have some idea of how it connects and how it adds up. And so if, you know, if my plan is, Hey, I'm going to engage these and then, uh, by engaging people, they'll get content that they they opted in for because they're they you know now they're uh, following me on Twitter and, and, right. and Facebook and wherever else, and then I expect a portion of those to convert to leads. That's this idea that you know it's a good plan and it it gets me to. It also, in a sense, tells me what to track and monitor. Right. You know, um, like content is a good part that could sometimes happen real early in the journey. Yep. So what we tend to do is to say, hey, I invited someone to a webinar or I put out a a white paper. How many downloads did I get? What did I get? Right. The better metric is re-engagement. Yeah. Do those people come back within, let's say, three months or something? Because that tells me how good the content is. Right. You know, the first one just tells me how good my offer for the content was. They could go through and spend an hour on a webinar and go, well, those guys suck, you know. Yeah. So, so, um, so that's where this idea of what happens next becomes a big part of that that uh, whole approach. And and really, how do you maximize or improve? Well, that's going to be a good indicator, right? Right. And sometimes we lose track of you know who the person. There's like a human going through this process. Right. Uh, there's a debate on Twitter. I, I kind of. I, I have trouble with BS. I, you know, yeah. I, I have trouble just retweeting BS. Someone, someone was saying, hey, you should throw out B2C and B2B and just be B to H, B, B to human. And I was like, Ooh, that's lovey-feely. You know, <laughs> my heart goes out to you. <laughs> the Titanic, Celine Dion. But <laughs> right. you still need B2B and B2C because it's two different, right? Uh, yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah, very I different. It, I get yeah. it. But when people say, when anyone says throw something out, I'm always a little like, okay. Yeah. Throw oh someone said throw out the marketing funnel or uh, I've heard this. that a million times. I'm like, it, you know, beware of anyone saying throw out yeah. X. You know, yeah, uh, yeah, but, yeah. You know, one of the things you you were talking about there in it, it, the planning, it's necessary. Oh, yeah, it's, planning can often be missing in a lot of marketing teams. Sometimes well, we get so action oriented, we just want to go, uh, go go. You know, and this is another one that you know, look, you got to set up some basic spreadsheet that says, here's my spend, here's what I expect's happening. But it's a, after you get up that, get past that setup, it becomes so easy. But right. it's that, it helps you weigh out these trade-offs that are tough. You know, the, the number one driver of ROI is targeting. It's where, it's, it's in other words, I have to spend. I'm you on that one, I love You that. are. That's and great. I can't believe it took me this long to say that one too. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's a great one. But think about it. It's, you have to go after segments you could win and there has to be some level of value, right? Why just talk to people or engage people that are not going to buy? Right. So, so there's that's one of the key trade-offs is, you know, does it, if I go out to this group and I spend this money, you know, lightly across a big group or heavily against a small group, right? Because I sure. only have so much money, you know, does it make a difference? If I spend uh, money at different points of the journey, you know, what's it's this idea of uh, I can't run these numbers in my head because my 
you know, how do I justify sending fewer leads in? Right. But they're fewer, better leads. And guess what? The, taking out the bad ones somehow, however we figure that out as marketers, we'll yeah. not, we'll get that sales team going, oh, wait a second. I'm actually now a little bit more interested. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a whole secondary effect. But it's this idea of, um, you know, can I run, I, I would phrase it as running an ROI scenario. This is how I'm spending the money. And this is my, even if it's my best guess of how I think I will make that money back. I don't need perfect information, but what I said, there's talked about big wins. It's because there's companies that sat down and did this with programs they run. And they said, well, we never actually ran it all the way through to revenue. Okay. And they looked and they're going, you know what? We can't make this profitable. We can't, we huh. can't, there's not enough here. Like take something like um, uh, in a retention oriented pieces, like these people are going to buy anyway. Where do I think I'm winning people? Or I'm just <laughs> going after the wrong segment. Right. And it's interesting is how they could just adjust the plan. And now they're going out and from the beginning, the profit potential is better. Right. They're smarter. And again, because I thought about what happens later, I also then think about the metrics, the tracking, because I said, oh, I have to watch for this because I'm not sure that really happened. I took right. a guess. So it's, um, you know, that's that idea of um, look for big wins. Well, bring it up to the upfront. You, you, you know, after the fact, if you think about it, when we measure ROI, the best we could do is apply it on the next round. Right. So we're back to the planning stage, right? Right, right. Yeah. As long as you're not starting from scratch every time. Right, right. So you know, I love this uh, and the idea of, you know, targets or segments you can win, you know, yeah. and, and understanding that. But I love the, in, in my head, I remember that it was like, it was a Chevy, the, the Nova, the, the Nova. Uh, the Nova. There was Let's this car. On. And one yeah. of these days we'll have like someone just sitting here just looking up my craziness. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a car <laughs> and in Spanish, Nova means no go. Right? Oh, right, right. Sell a car. <laughs> That's right. so hot in South America and all that. They're like, yeah. why would I buy a car that doesn't go? That makes no sense. You know? Yeah, that's right. So well, you I, can't win that segment. Change that name. Yeah, I think back to a promotion from a while ago, another car one. I think it was Mitsubishi, and they were marketing to this really young segment, you know, like the 20s, the buy your first car. Nice. Went all hip on the ads and everything. Yeah. And they bundled in 0% financing. Which ended up the, the the this young group. By the time they went, the the defaults on the lane oh, on the loans no. were so high. Oh, they lost, no. I want to say like like four hundred million dollars. It's some huge number that you know they just didn't <laughs> put the pieces together. Oh, so no. you shift your segment to yeah, they'll buy, and you're making <laughs> this so attractive. But they don't have the money, you know. So so again, different oh, groups not no. talk, marketing, not talking to finance or whatever else. But just didn't envision how that could that would all. Uh, come those, little, those little common sense snags right <laughs> yeah. there. Let's let's give um, a free key to the castle to the most irresponsible, <laughs> responsible uh, group that just found newfound freedom. They're out of yeah. school, everything, no sense for anything. Let, That's here, right. Here, just go ahead, kids, yeah. play around. Yeah, play around. That's right. Right. Uh, so anyway, you know this, but it's this idea of you know just thinking through. Yeah. And and and, and you know again. Should you have tested that? Maybe. Or should you have looked at your historical data? Right. Oh, wait a second. How do they perform? You know, so it's it's just getting smarter. Totally. And now, now part of this, uh, and again, hardcore marketing, little Marine Corps action here. Yeah. There is 
there's a discipline to measurement. And I know we we're chatting. Oh, yeah. Can you talk to me about that? You're an organization. Yeah, yeah. You have a discipline to plan, but then the discipline to keep track of it. Or if you got to tag, on the tactical side, you got to tag something every time. Right. Or you got to have the report and hold yourself accountable. What What is that flow? How, how do you, if you don't have that culture, how yeah. do you get that culture? How do you create that culture of accountability and discipline? Yeah, yeah. It's a big deal. And I think, this is where another one of the, the myths kind of come up or the, 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 the hurdles is everyone can, thinks there has to be perfect data and perfect measurement. So right. what happens is any measurement you put on the table, someone could knock it down. Oh, that's not going to work. Well, of course not because the future can be different than the past. But sure. think of it as a progression is if you do mm. no measurement, which – Look, already today, marketers are way better than they used to back when it was, you know, I mean, we have better data. So, yeah. but then you like track. Click, remember a click counter? Clicks, yeah, yeah. Hey, I got 835 visitors to my right. page. I refreshed it like 300 yeah. times, but. Right, right. Yeah. So anyway, but it's this idea of, um, you know, don't be concerned that everything has to be perfect. Take a step forward. Mm. So I know the big conversation we even ended up on this yesterday is that idea of, um, look, Single attribution is just saying the last touch, some people use first touch, but the last touch generally is going to get credit for pushing that contact out there that we've marketed to so many times into a category that they're now qualified from marketing standpoint to become a lead. Do they continue on? Um, and so when we get to the end and we look at our metrics, you know, whatever metrics on the journey, we would attribute it back to that touch point. And right. that is a huge step forward. Yeah, it's right. you know the big thing you have to watch for there is to make sure that you compare things on a on an equal level. So if there's a tactic that's really good at getting new names and it doesn't convert, it's so early in the journey, leave it in that category. Don't worry right. about the 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 conversion to sales and and leads. But if you can see, you know, other than that, you've got a lot of touch points out there. Which ones are doing well, and then you know work your way from there. But it does help you. And look, it's not even that I wouldn't even put uh, multi-touch attribution as the next step. That's that you build to over time. That's complicated. Yeah. And you know what? That's not perfect either. So don't, <laughs> don't get too crazy. Yeah. You know, the, the big challenge there is a lot of people come into multi-touch attribution and then they just subjectively wait. Well, this one must be worth. Well, it's not analytic anymore. So, right. so look, my, my For the progression. Record, that's number 10 on the list. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Good, yeah, good. Yeah. That's a complicated one, but it is. It's, you know, the technology is making it better. So, it so look, yeah. we're all getting there. But my progression on the measurement side is usually, yeah. you know, results tracking is if it's a touch point and we say, well, we know we marketed to that person and they did this. That's the first on the list. It's we have to be able to interpret it yeah. from the and actually maybe equal to that. But on a separate category is kind of a pre post a trend. And so in B2B, we don't use that as much because we have a lot of direct relationships, but in mm -hmm. If there's mass media, you know, if you put it this way, if we were, for some reason, we had radio or any type of advertising support, I would look at uh, maybe our paid search results before and after, because mm. I know it's making a lift, but where do I get that? And so it's a yeah. trend. It's not perfect because there's other factors influencing it. I like to look at um, my con funnel conversion rates and say, look, when I do something different, can I boost a conversion rate, especially maybe in the sales pipeline? Cause yeah. I don't, I don't know that I get a one for one for that, but look, it's another indicator. Right. So you got, you got these two that are kind of in the good, not perfect, but, but then you move up. And the third on my list is market testing because it's a controlled experiment. 
and you can statistically kind of prove it out is if we do something to group A different than group B, however mm -hmm. we control for that, I know I've controlled that I, I've isolated one, whatever it is, a campaign, a touch sure. point. So at least that's moving me up. And then what then are those the, three again? They're each other's three. Oh yeah. So the, I do results tracking and yep. pre pre post kind of a, a trend when you don't have, when it's kind of aggregated numbers and not individuals, okay. right? A kind of a before and after. And then the third one's market testing with experimental design. Okay. And then the fourth one is the modeling, the analytics. And that's where you use regression or other techniques that get to, to uncover things that are way too complicated for us to just look at and see. And so, right. well, you know, marketing mixed model now works pretty good for, for B2B. You have to do a little bit of adjustments because of lag time. But if you want to get these media factors, if you want to look at all different touch points, it is, it's a version of multi-touch attribution, uh, multi-touch. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And multi-touch attribution fits under that category too. Got Way it. more analytic to say, hey, there's all these different things happening at one time. What's, what, what's pushing sales up or down? You know? Got it. And these four yeah. things, this is great. This is like schools in session here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, for me, for everybody listening, these are the four what? These, this is so the these are, in fact, so I would describe these as the four categories of measurement. Every measurement oh, cool. falls under one of these buckets, although there's lots of variations. But sure. if you think about it, I, I, I been doing this so long i no one's ever gave me another one so i'm gonna stick with that's that's the like, bring it just bring <laughs> yeah. it people. come on yeah i'm pretty uh, open-minded so i'd love to add something to the list yeah. but <laughs> maybe we'll add ai to the fifth one <laughs> yeah maybe uh, okay so results tracking is that is that just simply you know a goes it's, in b comes out exactly or? right and, and that's most of our metrics that we start with right because would you put yeah. first touch into that category like first touch yeah tracking? yeah it's a, it's a track. I know that that person who bought came from this source. Love it. Yeah. So Good first step. And then pre post, that is, that is the aggregate. That is, that's like more um, like th that's why in consumer, you might use that a lot because I ran an ad and did it, you know, yeah. before and after with and without the ad, but there's a lot of different areas in B2B where we can still get that, where you're just putting something into a mix. You know, if I put something, uh, you know, if I give the sales team some tools, Yep. I don't know when they're using that, but if I see conversion rates go up and I, and look, the, the, why it's not a market test is I didn't give it to half of them. I gave it to all of them. Yeah, so I just, yeah. all I have is a before and after. Yeah, right. And then I might look, you know, how much do I wow. have to look before and after? Now keep in mind the and flaw pre there. Pre and post. Yeah, and pre and post. Yeah, so the, the flaw there is, you know, I've had a lot of marketers that use this and they go, yeah, you know, um, so we do this marketing and when sales go up, we attribute it to marketing, but sometimes sales go down at the post. We don't, that must be something else. I'm going, it's yeah, sales' but, fault, right? Yeah. yeah, <laughs> no, Or something, but sometimes they, the, uh, you know, you have fluctuations in the, in yeah. the, the sales and, and all these sure. other outcomes that are not related to marketing. So if there's this random fluctuation, there's this group that's just counting the ups and ignoring the downs, but right. I go, Look, sometimes the ups are not marketing either. You can't yeah. just, you have to be smart about using the techniques. You know, uh, I have a big thing. I, I hate um, the majority of SEO companies. Yeah. And, uh, before anyone blows me up on Twitter, actually blows me up, that's <laughs> fine. Um, there, are, there are a few of you out there that are honest, hardworking, mm. great uh, search engine experts. But those people out there, that are, uh, there's a lot of these snake oil sales. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, SEO, this, I, I, I had hired, I didn't hire them. I inherited one at one company once and yeah. 
and I asked for some some actual reporting, some ROI, it, and they sent me death by reports from Google Analytics. <laughs> it said absolutely nothing. And you know what? What happens over time is the yeah. website traffic increases. And I tell people, if you're breathing, your website traffic <laughs> is probably going to increase over time. But That's true. Robots. Right. So you can't necessarily claim anything happened yeah. there other than you're not dead. Right. Um, even still, maybe you know, artists they increase over time after they die. So. You know, it's there like some of these metrics, you, you, you could try to claim them, but did you really do that? That's a good right. Point. Okay, so that's pre and post. Would that be the same thing how, how they um, measured like television? You know, oh, Wisconsin bought um, nothing and now they buy everything. We ran an ad in Wisconsin. Is that if, um, pre post? If they're not doing modeling, and remember, sometimes this intense modeling, you only have enough. That's expensive and it's hard. It, it's You might run that once a year. So the pre post would, would fill the gap. Yeah. I, it. it belongs in the mix as the, as the modeling right 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 nothing's right. perfect but they all belong in the mix got that's it what I was looking. so that's pretty and then tell me about the market testing then so again controlled experiment you mm. know they use this uh you know for the 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 medications we take and everything else i mean it's a pretty serious approach and so that's where you're looking statistically to say look if i if i um go to group a and group b whether it's a direct whether it's a A/B test on online, sure. where I'm showing some ads or not, or whether I'm trying to see if I need mass media support, all of it is to say if I have two like groups, then one group tells me what this other group would have done, and I can compare that to what they actually did. You know, so did it, I get a lift? Is the difference is that you have over like pre-post that you have you have a control group? Exactly. That like in other words, yeah. pre-post things change over time. Even from mm. everything from seasonality to the competitors did something different to you know what? Quite honestly, the weather could throw it off. It just happened. Yeah, true. Uh, it, so you're 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 getting all these different things. It's a lot of noise in there. The the AB is intended to be um, and and for the most part does work in a much more controlled. Doesn't mean you eliminated everything. If you were testing something in Boston versus Philadelphia, just randomly picking some cities. Right. Um, and it rained in Boston. Obviously, you could, you might not see the same sales you see. You right. know, but, but if you pick multiple markets across the U.S., and it'll kind of, you could get rid of the noise. So it depends on what yeah. you're doing, right? And, uh, and when it's in a direct mode and you randomly pick, you know, this group versus this group, chances are you're going to, if you didn't do anything, they should have the same results. Right. So that's where you kind of can look and say, okay, let's put this offer out there. Let's put this touch point out there. Let's put something. And I, I tend to, it's a good opportunity to kind of boost something that you could come back to in the testing. Yeah. But um, I always say it's only so many times you could actually hold out a control group or, or do something different. So go for the big wins. Don't, you know, you can test the subject line, but why not test your strategy? I mean, I've had a right. chance along the way to, to really go out and ask some big questions that are not limited to that one learning. I just then I'm taking it and apply it to all my marketing. Yeah. You're trying to get ahead. people yeah. through the buyer journeys. Yeah. And if and if you spend too much, at least you know you can change buyer behavior. You come back and figure out how to not how to do it efficiently. But go for effectiveness first. So Jim, are, are you throwing down the gauntlet? Are you saying subject line testing is for wimps? Get out it's, there and test your strategy. Now, if it's if it's free and easy and doesn't inter interfere with anything, sure, do it. But from a business standpoint, you should be saying, what are some big unknowns yeah. that we would like to know? That, or someone has an idea, but it's a little bit different. Look, controlled experiment, check that one off. And, and I don't, I see, this is probably the most underutilized measurement out of the whole group. There's not, it's I'm like, the, the market, market testing. testing? Yeah. Oh yeah. 
because, and again, it's, it's limited in frequency, but it's, it's very strategic. So, you know, in a modeling it, you put in these numbers and it spits out and says, Oh, this contributed more than this channel, but it's very tactical. And, and in, um, in an AB test, you get to say, well, here's a, I did this in a, I can look at everything from how the brand perceptions changed to how right. leads changed to did people convert, you know, I get, I get to look at the whole beginning and end. What, what, in fact, maybe the, the, the test didn't work, but I could diagnose it. It's the deep, it's the strategic piece. It's the deep dive piece. Got it. So it just belongs in the measurement mix. It's not your primary measurement. Sure. It's just your big win measurement. And then finally, four is the modeling. The it's modeling. Touch. It's, yeah, it's, your, it's your it's, multivariate. It's, it's multiple things. Exactly. Okay. It's, yeah. and, and it's uh, right. And it could be, um, it could be someone kind of doing a, you can do correlation analysis and at least it's a little bit more like, in other words, you know, when, uh, take pick, like if there's a touch point along the journey, yeah, is it more likely to end up as a, a, a purchase or not, you know? Right. And then even to the point of, uh, I just did one not that long ago that just simple correlations, but it's this analytics that say, you know, out of all these web metrics that go up, which ones correlate most to leads? Yeah. Because at least, uh, you know, in other words, the leads might lag. In fact, in this case, it lagged like six weeks. So, but there was some activity yeah. first, but now I know I could actually put that metric kind of higher on the list and say, oh, wait a second. This is, this is something meaningful. Right. So it's or, this. Or yeah. kilometric, right? Or I, kilometric, yeah. Where oh, gosh. Someone yeah. wants to know about the bounce rate on a particular website and it, or the time on page. That's a killer, right? Oh, gosh. Google, <laughs> Google Analytics. Time, and for everyone out there, time on pages. How long did someone spend on a particular web page? Yeah. And the yeah. idea is, well, the longer they spend, the more interested they are. Or they couldn't find it something right, right. for it. <laughs> or they, maybe they found their answer really quickly and they yeah. went on to the next Like it really, it's such a weak, weird. That's metric. right. So many better things to look at. So, well, yeah. no, but here's the point though, is that for some companies, it is a meaningless one, but for others, it may be because they do have the good content. In other words, uh, that's why we do the analysis to see what pops. It's not like, and, and I wouldn't go out with the results of that company and say, oh, this is the key metric. I would say, Run the analysis. It wasn't even that hard. It's just a correlation. We did it in Excel. In fact, yeah, you know, we had we could have the students do this. So, but anyway, it's this idea of um of using some of the statistical techniques. And and again, correlation is not really in this bucket as much as sure. as much as these other ones. So, but this is where analytically, how do we take all those touch points on the journey? So there's the the multi-touch attribution is good at looking over a long period of time. Then you've got mixed models where it's kind of saying, hey, if we peak certain channels and we see an outcome change, yeah. then we know it's stronger. But we have to, the model forces you to see it repeatedly, where a pre post is a one time. So now you have that statistical confidence that says, you know, I still might have a margin error. It could be 5%, could sure. be 20%, but I'm a whole lot smarter. And that's the one that, again, you need good data. Uh, the cost of this modeling has been coming down partly because the data is better. It's not perfect, but it's, it's, that's where most of the cost goes in bringing all this data together. Right. In fact, if I were to leave people with a tip, I'd say make sure that you find a way to capture and store weekly impressions for every touch point. Especially, mm. you know, now like, you know, you could anything that's coming out of a system, your part on email is there. It's always sure. there, the history. But if you're running... 
events or if you're doing certain type of, uh, if you're doing some digital media, um, capture it. In other words, when you, when I talk to people, they go, oh, we had the data. We just didn't bother storing it or we aggregated <laughs> yeah. it or the agency gave sure. us monthly summary. So just store it. Someday as the cost of this stuff comes down, you're going to find more useful. But now impressions though, I get some people going, I mean, I don't have like in my ear, like home oh, shopping yeah. network, but in my head, I have some people going, Impressions is old school, man. Why are we why are we yeah, tracking yeah, yeah. impressions? Like what what what's the thought behind tracking That's a good question. changes in those? So the good question, because what we're doing here is a little bit we're usually trying to bring in those touch points that can't get tracked. Yeah. So you know how so there's a lot of people, in fact, look, some of these digital media companies are throwing this into multi-touch attribution. So you saw a display ad on your Google search. Sure. You saw the you know these these impressions along the way. Then you clicked, and then you did a few more things. And they're trying to give credit to the to the seeing the impression. Now, right. they do weights that I don't think are scientifically driven, and they're a little bit self motivating or self beneficial sure. in that. Hey, I want I want you to keep paying for that display ad. But but what we're looking for is um, we're trying to say do those touch points count in the mix? And yeah. so a good example would be is. Um, you know, if you're running, if you're looking for a real short-term view, you know, you could run this this modeling to say, as we've had these offline impressions, as we had these other display impressions, all these other things, does it increase our paid search click rate? That's the only trackable outcome. Sure. But why would we do all these things? And so this idea, the reason we go to impressions is it could be influential and right. it's what we bought. Yeah. I mean, some cases we bought the click. So that's fine too. But the click is already a behavior. That's already an action. Sure. We're trying to look for something that kind of is a little bit more upstream. So, you know, tracking it, uh, tracking the whole stream, you know, and you mentioned this a couple times journey. And by the way, you're saying the words that I love the journey, the whole process. I'm mean, yeah. here. You're not just referencing a, a single report. It's like the timeline. It's a spectrum. And, uh, and all his influence. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One of the yeah. things that we we've even seen with Cheshire is that the the idea of the lead to revenue, right? Looking at the uh, whole yeah. process from when you first capture a lead, or to your point, even before that, with an impression, all the way through the marketing touches, the sales yeah. to close one revenue, and to maybe right. to your point even like re, you know not just revenue but um, net revenue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. and I love that progression. Now, now. There's a lot of things in the progression. So as it comes to reporting, you know, I've heard first touch, last touch. Oh, yeah. um, where, where where do you start? Do you start with first touch, and then I mean, obviously, you don't start with multi-touch. No, no, what no. What kind of progression do you do? You take people. Is there like your own kind of roadmap in terms of yeah. building that? Out? If you're looking at the back end results tracking, um, you're going to start with single attribution, and there's a lot sure. of good learning there. And again, as if you if you make the case that look, this marketing touch point is not intended to, you know, qualify to convert a lead that's going to get the, that credit. Sure. Then again, you'll dig deeper and you'll kind of look at it differently, but it's the solid starting point. But the other way is to say, look, when I invest, right? So that's the back end, what, mm. what drove the sales, but the front end is when I invest money to, for some certain type of touch point, how do I, I'm, I expect some incremental outcome, right? How and where do I think that's going to show up now? So if I say, well, it's going to show up because someone's going to respond and then I'm going to qualify them for a lead. That group's going to run into the, my single attribution sure. pipeline. But if I look for other outcomes, I've got to kind of get some understanding of where I think that value would be. And so 
you know how uh, it's one that I, I understand, but I kind of hate when someone says, well, how about all this branding? Because it's going to make someone more likely. And look, it's true. That's why it's kind of a little tough, but it's going to make someone more likely to click next time. Right. And then I go, yeah, but you got people to click this time. Are you going to say that some of that credit belongs to everything that came before it? Oh, no, no, we don't deduct, we don't deduct credit. We only add credit. Really? Well, yeah. So that's where you kind of go, a lot of this kind of nets out or it's too small to chase that. Yeah. But again, if your strategy says this touch point is to generate new names, then what you might want to do, there's a couple of ways you can approach it. You might want to say, well, let me integrate that with something that's then going to engage them and convert them. So maybe right. I look at it, that, that combined investment and that look at that because that's a good strategy. Other times, and it's it's another tough area, but sometimes I might have to say, um, I might look at that and say, well, how does that compare to other sources of new names I can get? Right. Does it cost less? You know, because it, it, it's right. part of my investment. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, I love that. The idea of, it, you know, the single attribution, having someplace to start with. And, and we always right. advise people, especially on the CSI, look, marketing automation tools these days, especially Pardot that we work with, yeah. very easy if you have a little bit of that reporting discipline, that measurement discipline at the right. beginning, to set your campaign reports up, it's magic. It like yeah. you can even put in how much you spent on it and have there you the go. calculation happen. So it's like it's so easy to do. Let's let's nail that and then let's That's start right. moving down the pathway just to, to see more of these of these details. But you know, one of the things I keep hearing you kind of like run scenarios in your head and then you even mentioned this thing an ROI scenario. Is that like something you write out in advance? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, tell I me about it. Uh, so this ROI scenario, I would take um, a basic Excel spreadsheet. You could get away mm -hmm. with probably 10 inputs. That's how, you know, in other words, I have to kind of capture my expenses. I tend to put the, the funnel journey in there. Like if I'm going to reach these people, you know, and I, then how many do I think are going to flow through to get to the lead? And then what's my best estimate of that lead conversion? And what's, and what's my average value? And there's, huh. um, it's somewhere on my website. I think there's a, a free download of this, but okay. I, I might have to get my email. <laughs> so it's lenskold.com, L-E-N-S-K-O-L-D.com. Um, I might have to uh, email your, or find Nick, a way to, to get that. But, but look, the show notes too. Okay, because it, it is there and it's a, it's a basic template. But here's the idea is that what's my, even if I have no real good information, when I spend money, where do I think it's coming back? Yeah. And, I will tell you that out of all the companies that have taken ROI seriously over these years I've been working it, they all measure differently and they all get good at a different pace. But I would say 95% of them at least adopt that ROI scenario. In other words, and maybe not for 100% of every email campaign or every little thing, but for, for the big buckets or at least for annual planning, if I give you this money, tell me what you think you're going to get back. And then huh. we'll get better at measurements over time. But why wouldn't you do that? That's really cool. Why that, wouldn't you do yeah. that? You know, it reminds me. It, it's almost like I'll throw a metaphor, a gun metaphor out there because it's hardcore marketing. All right. Bam. Uh, it's like I'm, I've been guilty of this in like marketing, almost like a gunslinger. You got your pistol. Yeah. Like whip it out, fire that money bullet at something. Yeah. And, yeah. and maybe a, a technology vendor was like, shoot me, shoot me, you know, or, or maybe <laughs> you're just like, I, I'm going to go do content syndication, you know, yeah, like, yeah. 
I'm going to try out this, this source or that source. But as long in, in the past, I said, as long as you test it out, you're good. But man, just a little bit of that preparation, kind of like preparing your day. The, yeah. the other extreme is oh, yeah. in, in the Marine Corps, when we're at the rifle range, they're actually, uh, they, they actually spend a lot of time with us. We, we do what's called, a, it's almost a day of dry firing. We're sitting, oh, we're sitting prone, we're sitting up on a knee, holding our, and we're holding our, our rifles um, for a long time wow. um, with no bullets, no ammunition, none of, no rounds for those. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and we're just sitting there in position, uh, feeling the bone structure, feeling the support. But what happens? Wind, right? So we're like, oh, this uh, wind is up here. What do you think the wind is? You know, okay, adjust. Right. How, what do you think the elevation is? And those are just two metrics, but right. what do you think that is? And then you have to think about it in advance. And guess what? Eventually, when you're, you're, you're actually firing, you shoot. Yeah. And what do you see? You see, and they actually mark your targets. That's a whole other story. There's yeah. people down in the pits pulling the target. It's kind of a fun <laughs> job. You, you pull the target down and you mark the thing with a big circle. And you, yeah. But they mark it. And they let you know, okay, you didn't hit the bullseye. Oh, okay. yeah. Too much wind or not enough wind. Let me readjust. This is great. But yeah. I love this ROI scenario because you're forcing yourself to say, okay, I'm about to go spend 15, I'm just saying 15K on a yeah. – on a vent or a source or some kind of lead generation activity or maybe to move the funnel. What do I think this is actually going to do? And, and it right. forces you to say, well, what have the past ones done? And, that's right. And you know, that's right. And if you look at your analogy, it's kind of like saying what could go wrong. It's also saying what could go right. Yeah. In other words, what do I think? But it's saying, look, I will market to all these people. They all won't buy. Only a portion will. Right. And like you said, the second part would be if I run this on a small scale and I see it, I have to go back and what do I adjust? Right. You know, why did I get high engagement here and then everything just disappeared? Huh. In, in other words, probably one of the biggest things within this ROI scenario, but really in our measurements too, is leakage. Yeah. Like we're trying to drive more results. So if you spend the money, where's the leakage points? Right. And that's your diagnostic. So you're, I'll actually look for measurements mm. that call that out because my job is to improve this, right? Yes. So I, I got to, I could, if you think about it, the financials would be, I spent this money, this many people bought and gave me this revenue. There's no funnel to that. You add the funnel, doesn't change the ROI. Right. It just says, wait a second, here's, here's where I'm strong, here's, here's where happening. I'm weak. Here's where it's leaking. So yeah. it's, it's the key thing is that leakage. What's, where's my weak spots? that I have to try to figure out, you know, because maybe I'm going to such a big audience that it's not really, I could get them engaged, but they don't yeah. really want to buy. Right. Narrow that audience. You know, and, yeah. and so tell me more. So, so you have, you start with, Hey, we think we're going to get X number of leads at this event. And we think yeah. they'll, they'll progress this way through their own funnel or how, how do you? Map yeah, no, no, no. I would say that, especially with events and look, it's in B2B um, because it's probably uh, Maybe it's the easiest to track or it's, it's kind of a core responsibilities. We are usually looking for the journey to leads and then we have to kind of figure out what happens from there. And we right. were really interested in that. Hopefully we get that feedback loop. The, um, but we could say, you know, if there's other outcomes, we can build it into the plan, but True. we're starting, let's, to me, if I can't get close on the leads, then adding the little stuff is not going to help. But yeah, yeah, I would, yeah. yeah right. Because, um, so that's what I want to know is if, uh, you know, cause one of these events I could go to 10,000 people and maybe get, you know, a hundred leads. The other one, I might go to 5,000 people, but I might not only get more leads, you know, 150 because it's a better, you know, it's a better fit to my, my group. And 
but I might actually get more valuable leads. They're my audience. Right. So how do I show on paper that, you know, cause this is the conversations that go through. How do I show reaching fewer people? And, um, and, and in fact, maybe let's even say in that scenario, I got fewer leads. Yeah. How, because today the cost per lead might be too heavy a metric for me, sure. but I say, Oh no, no, these are the people that convert. These yep. are the people that have high value. In other words, it's, it's kind of like a business case, but it's a little bit more strategic in that. Yeah, it's a, like a business case, but more strategic, yeah. Yeah, because it's trying to say, you know, where do I think I can make, how do I think I can make money? But it gives me that little bit more of, um, oh, wait a second. Now I can see if I go back and do something different here. I could take the same event and run a second scenario and said, here's what I think I would get if I changed my booth location because the traffic goes up or the speaker. So I can look at, right. you know my base plan and an incremental spend too. It's, it's this idea of, I just want to see the trade-offs. Right. Um, also, what does success look like? Yeah, exactly. And, exactly. And, and having to write that out, there's a, there's a couple of plans, a uh, um, thing called strategic coach where they make the CEO before he comes up with this crazy idea, mm. has to go ahead and write down, what does success uh, look like yeah. if we do this? What, what does it look like? Love that. What does it look like if we don't do this? What does right. it look like if we do do this? Um, what's potentially what could happen from this? Right. But it makes you think about it. So I could see, you know, doing these, you're right. It's more strategic than a business case, but yeah. running an ROI scenario gets you thinking, hey, and, and then I'm responsible for these numbers and, and yeah. I want to... I want to track to see if I was right. And the more you do them, the better you'll get at them. Right. I mean, a couple ones, you might be a little off, but uh, it's almost like mini projections it, of, a, of a, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Well, put it this way. We were making a decision to go to this event and not this event or yeah. do this event, but not have a booth. We're trying to make this based on our experience and that gut, right? Yeah. So, but the thing is, sometimes Fun you put it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sometimes you put that on paper and what you thought was a good idea go, oh, it doesn't quite add up. But yeah. because you can't, there's there was probably four to five things in your gut that were right, but there was one piece you didn't weigh in as much. And you totally. go, ah, I didn't really think that that was a big enough driver. And like you said, it gets easier because over time you start saying, wait a second, a swing in this input or this area makes yeah. a bigger difference I got to yeah. make sure I always nail that one. Yeah. Other things will work out, you know? So, uh, yeah, it's like a little mini, yeah. mini modeling. I, and I could right. see, Hey, you know, Oh, you know, I thought this was, this show was great cause it was in Vegas and I kind of want to go to Vegas. But <laughs> yeah, I, <know. laughs> I literally have to meet every single attendee yeah. and they all have to buy in order for this thing to be exactly. better it, ROI than this other show. That's in like Memphis. It comes know? out that way sometimes. <laughs> And, uh, but you know what I find this is also good, especially if you have a good idea, good strategy, something new, yeah. something you think is breakthrough, you walk in with a, to a non-marketing executive, they get this. Yeah. They say, look, this is the reason that. why, yeah. uh, you know, why we need to boost this or do something that maybe is not obvious. And you go, it's gonna, you know, and it might even be, look, this might not even work in the beginning. It might take yeah. us a year, but look at the outcome. We have such upside. So that's cool. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's an awesome takeaway. We'll definitely get that and, you know, link to your site with the show notes on okay, that. Good. 
I love that. And, and if we can sort of start infusing with people, yeah. if I need to call you and knife hand you, that's what, this is a knife hand. <laughs> that's what drill instructors do. They just put the point and they go, yeah. Shire, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, you know, right. if I need to knife hand people or whatever, whatever yeah. you need in order to get a little bit of that, that measurement discipline in your bodies. Exactly. Man, ROI scenario would be um, a great, it's like doing pushups. I love yeah, it. Yeah. And look, it's also besides having the tools, and these, that the, this, the, well, to get to the discipline, I should say, is you have yeah. the tools, you have the techniques, you need to build knowledge and capabilities. But yeah. look, this happens in time. You can't, you can't water hose it into people because it, it mm. it's new, it's different. Uh, you know, every one of us at some point went through this and said, oh, wait a second, you know, give me something new, let me learn how to use it, and then make it a little bit more advanced because I can follow that. Right. So that adoption pass also pretty important. We're very attentive to that too when uh, when trying to introduce new things. So, right, right. Yeah. Well, man, this has been great. Who are you? How, how did you <laughs> are? Did you go to India and? Uh, yeah, sure. I was on a yeah. How, how, <laughs> no. Antarctica. Where? How did yeah. you acquire this knowledge? Did you set out? Did you think you were going to be the ROI marketing ROI guy? Uh, no, no, no. How, Not exactly, but it actually should say. It was, it was, of course, like anyone, you have an accidental journey along the way, but then yeah. you start putting pieces together. But I started my career at AT&T in marketing and I was running strategy and uh, initially, yep. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But and look, a lot of good discipline. Um, but at the time, it, you know, it, it was just getting competitive. And so the finance group comes down and says, here, you start measuring ROI. And um, I happen to be, I can't quite recall what got me, but I was doing my MBA in finance at the time because I thought, well, it's the opposite of marketing. Might as well learn something different. So I get, became, became the one pushing back going, uh, we could run these numbers for you, but it doesn't mean what you think it means. It doesn't <laughs> match up to the strategy. You, yeah. you're not, you know, when we do this, we have behavior outcomes and behavior translates into, into sales and then revenue. So I kind of pushed back and it kind of got me in. So I became the guy, the marketing guy that could get the financials yeah. and then eventually, you know, you get the analytics because then also you, right. you had to figure out how to prove it out. Um, I did a tech startup for a little while, but then uh, when I started my own company, which is almost 21 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, congrats. I know. So it's been around. So That's an anomaly, right? I yeah, mean, yeah. supposed to last a year. I know, right? So anyway, when I did that, I... Um, I kind of realized, I said, oh, you know, some of the things we tried to do back at AT&T and some other companies, um, it, I was working actually for consulting with a company that was doing um, Epiphany CRM systems. I don't know if you remember that one. It was you know, the I first, but it was, you might have been, but it was, anyway, but what I realized, I, I said, the gold oh, one. what's the gold one? There's like gold oh, wait. something. Yeah. Gold yeah. Mine. Gold mine, I think. Gold mine. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, what I realized was, hey, all these things we tried to do at AT&T to get to ROI, now I, there's all this data from, from <laughs> marketing. It didn't exist. So I go, wait a second. And then there's all these people writing all these papers on ROI. I go, oh, no, no, no. Uh, that's not how you do it. So no. I wrote the book and I said, we got to set the record straight. Yes. And since then, you know, I work with companies all over globally, but it's usually now about um, how, do we, how do we build the capability internally? So right. how do we get these tools in place? how do we take all these measurement techniques and kind of weave them into our mix, right? You'd love a good yeah. portfolio. And so it's, um, it's been great. I, I, I love seeing it. You know, there's, um, there's always hurdles, it's mostly cultural. 
So we just find mm. the way to get a few people going. There's always some champions in there. And it sounds like you speak business. You also speak oh, yeah, numbers yeah. and financial metrics. So yeah. hopefully you're putting, you know, and that hopefully that covers both sides of the equation. The yeah, but creative it, marketer or yeah. you know, the analytics sales manager or maybe the creative, you know, so whoever need to talk to. Yeah. And at the end of the day for me, which is why to me, this is a marketing function, not a financial function is yeah. it's always good strategy. Yes. It's always the, we could do something different better. So even though we have all these sources we pull from at the end of the day, it's got, we're going to put something out there in the marketplace. It's going to do better than what we did before. Right, make it actionable, right? Yeah. Not just data. Yeah. That's what gets people engaged. And so that's the part I like. So that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. You had that crossover too. It's almost, I see that. I know. Cool. You know, it, it, I love marketing, but I did a degree in this, you know, yeah, computer, right. computer science and oh, yeah. also um, communications. And then I, I had a chance to, and that's why I like the marketing technology at right. China, where that came from. But then, that's true, yeah. um, but I spent a lot of time doing sales with my own company. Ah, and I love that's great. out of that because marketing is often experimentation. It's like a science yeah. lab. It's gradually increasing, but you don't have this like puff of blue smoke and then <laughs> the dragon appears. Right. Sales, you get to ring a bell. Yeah. You know? so, so I kind of like both sides. And so that, that's why we like to br help bridge the gap with that because I like Perfect. both things. But I see how you bridge the gap by saying, oh, I, I, I know you're finance. You want to talk cogs? We'll talk cogs. Like yeah. I got a master's in this. So you, you can talk finance, but you can also blend it with marketing and make that's right. data actionable. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like saying there's, there's one purpose, one mission in a sense to put use your language, but there's a lot of specialists that do different things. How do we kind of make sure they're pointing to the same thing, right? right. We want good financial health for the company. We want to spend smart. Who wants to waste money? There's always a, you know, there's always somewhere that needs it. <laughs> Let's put it where we get a big impact and look, it's good for us, and it's even good for the customers too. We don't waste their time. And I don't think anyone raises their hand when you say yeah. you to raise, raise, uh, waste money. But right. when you're gunslinging, I know. You know, you no, know, you don't get. They don't hit very often. You know, yeah. in the movies. You know, Clint Eastwood's. You know, he, he <laughs> that everybody else other than right. Clint Eastwood misses left and right. So, well, everyone misses Clint Eastwood. So somehow they're not. That's they're not true. as good as him. True. You got not fifty fast, people shooting at you. Good. And not yes. no one's hitting you. <laughs> yeah, so I cue that music from that show. That was right. Crazy. Yeah. So did so uh, it was AT T. Maybe a couple startups in, but was that that was the that was it. I did. A, like, this is me. Like I. Yeah, loved I was yeah, with a tech company, so I got my B two B, and I was selling there as well. So and I did marketing yeah. and sales, and yep. it was really it tied it all together for me, and that was a that was a great kind of a great experience there too. So big company, small startup, and then making my own. Jeez. And, and so we were chatting earlier, you know, cause we like to get to the, the person. And so yeah, yeah. you started out big company and you just, you just merge these two things, but it sounds like you also have, you have a, uh, you chair a nonprofit outside oh, yeah. of all this ROI ness. Do you, do you force yeah. this nonprofit to report their ROI or maybe tell me one more. We're, oh, we're, we're getting a lot of discipline in the nonprofit. Yeah. 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 A little measurement so, discipline. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so my company is based in Asbury park, New Jersey, which has been a music city for a long time. Now it's not huge compared to the other ones. It's a small beach town in New Jersey, but it goes back even before the days of Bruce Springsteen. And he, you know, okay. he had his day, but it was these kind of clubs that brought everyone together. It was one of those stops between either New York and Atlantic city or New York and Philadelphia that musicians okay. would kind of make their way to. Yeah, sure. And I'm a, I'm a big live music guy, but the, um, it, it had a, Asbury park had a big downturn. You know, it was almost a ghost town mm. 15, 20 years ago. And then, um, 
gradually has been coming back. But the last five years, this, this place is back. It's fully operational. I shouldn't say fully. It's the downtown area is doing great. Between, okay. I mean, you know, on a, a Monday it, night. Is it close to the water? or is Oh, it yeah, not? yeah. I'm six blocks from the Atlantic how, Ocean right how, now. But the, the hurricane and all that back a couple nah, years? No, no, no. Nothing good. too bad. And okay. um, Good. But good. It's, it's, it's been on this economic revival nice. to the point where in the middle of winter in a beach town in New Jersey, you've got three to five live events at the, within uh, oh. walking distance here. I mean, it's crazy how big it is. I like but that. the nonprofit is here. And the this nonprofit before me was part of that revival. Yeah. But then over the, as the success happened, we've now shifted our attention to the youth in the underserved areas because, yeah. uh, you know, it's not, there is a West side of Asbury park that, that still needs the economic revival. Sure. Music is such a way to kind of give kids experience in terms of mm-hmm. self-confidence and, and get them experience. And, you know, there is, um, people can make a living here or there as well. So mm-hmm. we, we do that. We do a lot of events, film festivals, different things that bring in money, um, but it's been just a, a great way to kind of connect the passion for music and a, a passion for making a difference in the community. So, so, yeah, so what, what does it do with the kids? So you're saying, you know, the kids, different areas, we send them in, you put trumpets in their hands or how does this work? You know, like we put trumpets, violins, guitars, but no, we do. There's a, there's a portion that goes into the school. So you have okay. your more traditional bands and we fund instruments and stuff like that. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Then we do after school and in the after school, it could be, um, you know, learning guitars, ukuleles are part of the mix. Yeah. But there's also, um, as in conjunction with the Boys and Girls Club, we have a sure. hip hop institute. Yep. So kids are writing, recording, you know, producing it and uh, yeah, yeah. like really like going pretty far. We have all this equipment set up for them. And then kind of as kids progress along, the big one is uh, right here in town, we have a recording studio and attached to that is this Lake House Music Academy wow. that they bring in uh, really like professional musicians to teach songwriting and stuff like that. So we, we bring kids from all these different programs that we have and we give them scholarships. And so they're playing alongside with people that are from all these, you know, kind of wealthy communities and the kids, you know, kids are kids. They're yeah. just music. There's no difference. Yeah. So they're growing up together too. And again, just getting rid of those barriers that, uh, that kind of might exist socially. Uh, they just say, no, these are my best friends. And, uh, you know, yeah. So, uh, so that's that's that next generation. I think there's going to be some interesting music at some point coming out of Asbury Park. There already is. It's, it's yeah. crazy how much original music's here. But there's a generation that's kind of growing up together that we'll see. That's cool. That, yeah. That's really cool. I had a, I had a bunk mate in the Marine Corps. Um, it, we, we actually, there was a bunch of us in this. I mean, every kind of race and nationality and age yeah. in this bunk. And we actually called our house, we had a little hut. When we were yeah. deployed, we called it the, the United Nations because it was just that's like, perfect. There's a bunch of us, and in my memory, yeah. my bunkmate, he did that. He would actually write beats, and probably yeah. it's a big business. If you can write, yeah, hit, you might get some superstar going. Like, hey man, I like that tune. I'm I'm gonna buy that from you. And now yeah. you wrote that thing. So uh, I remember that's he right. would, like he would play a couple for me. Like, hey Trash, what do you think about this? Oh my and gosh! Like, oh wow! Like that's. So yeah, there's there's all kinds. Uh, of I was with uh, I was there a couple weeks ago, and this 13 year old, while we're talking, is pr- and he's getting ready to do his thing. He's just using the computer and creating these beats on the computer. So it's wow. computer skills. It's the obviously the, yeah. the learning of the beats is kind of interesting, and then he's writing lyrics, which are pretty complicated. And uh, I talked to one of the older kids, and she's like, "Oh my gosh, my my uh, grades in English and everything had just shot up." She goes, I never, I didn't think uh, about writing the same writing. way. So, yeah, eh, you know, 
You know, instead of writing stuff. that stupid paper, I know that stupid <laughs> book you had to read. Write yeah. about, write something else. But it, I think it's the expression of yourself. Yeah. I remember I used to, you know, I would write some poems back in the day or just some short sure. stories. I would go look up in the thesaurus a different word for that. Right. Because you know? it has to rhyme. Yeah. So then it forces you to, I, I need another word. And I know, I know all these really weird words now. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's good. Curial. And like, you know, <laughs> that's you great. never know what that is unless you, <laughs> right. you had to Google it or, you know, translate it. So yeah. that's, that's really cool. cool. And, uh, and to clarify for everyone, you're in the part of Jersey that roots for, you said the Giants. Yeah, I'm, I'm still in uh, New York where, you know, I'm far enough south, but closer to New York than Philadelphia, where I grew up was a little further south and it was really starting to switch over. So, yeah. And, you know, Giants Eagles is a pretty big rivalry for here because we're so close Good. and we're intermingled. Even though you did root for them in the Super Bowl, you were saying. I, I made an exception. Partly, well, it became <laughs> one of those. I want to get you in trouble in Jersey. I know, um, I know. But I did, uh, I did put it out there publicly. I said, I, for one day, I would not wear green, but I did say, <laughs> look, sometimes you got to root for the underdog. They had a good storyline, and I would kind of feel like then maybe these other Eagles fans could calm down a little bit and you <laughs> not think, be so riled right? up. Yeah, you think, but they just went but, crazy. But you're the Patriots fan, so I am. I for am. you, so, it could be a disappointment, but but at least you're in a position where the it's disappointment. You still have a good track record. You can still feel true, great. True. Where those other teams that never win. <laughs> <laughs> this has gone ten times. We've won five, so we're yeah. not bad. As no. opposed to teams that are like, we've never been, or we've been. I know, one. I know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was at that this Super Bowl. That's fantastic. It was like it was on the bucket list, and you yeah. know, what? I almost went to the one last year. I mean, I guess it's just like a first world football problem. Oh yeah, like oh my team went <laughs> last course. year, and I didn't go, so I went this year. But last year, I was like, oh, I want to go, I want to go. Yeah. And, great game to go oh to. Oh my gosh. would have had a heart attack, but it would yeah. have been an awesome game. And so this year I was like, you know what? Now I couldn't find anyone else that was crazy enough to go Yeah, uh, too, but I'm like, I'm just going to go. And I just booked the flight. Perfect. Away. Minnesota, not exactly ideal location <laughs> in February. <laughs> yeah. And people are like, oh, that's actually really pleasant here in, in yeah. Minnesota. Um, any month but this one. Right. And uh, <laughs> it was like negative what, four That's right. plus. And it, it was Now, cold. inside, I mean, the game was good, right? It was just it, more of the – uh, yeah, you had a covered to deal with dome, it. which yeah, is why yeah. they'll never do one in Lam- Lambeau Field yeah. in Green Bay. Um, yeah. but, but it was cool. It was one of those – it's worth doing. Um, That's great. you got to put up with a bunch of Eagles fans in person. <laughs> um, you know, I won't comment to keep down. some relationships I have yeah, in place with, yeah, uh, fa- right? within the yeah. family. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Ping me back later. Hey, you know, edit that part. Edit that part. You know, <laughs> yeah. I won't make you say go pats or anything. So no, no worries there. That's all right. Good, good. <laughs> well, Jim, man, this has been great. How can yeah. people get in touch with you, um, with your group? You know, yeah, yeah. Maybe throw out some social at us or. You know, well, I would say that they. Um, so the the website's the best best point because there's sure. tons of content there. So lenskol.com, L-E-N-S-K-O-L-D.com. Or um, if you to connect with me personally, I welcome the LinkedIn invites. It always helps to have a little message there. Yep. And I'm Jim Lenskol. Yeah, don't be so. creepy, everyone. Don't just nah. send this guy, you know, I don't care if you're a lion. Don't just send this guy a connection invite. He gets like yeah. 20 invites after this podcast. No, no, no. Say, yeah. hey, I heard you on the podcast. There you go. Which podcast? The Hardcore Marketing Show. Hardcore. You did a great job. Um, Casey's so amazing. But then please connect with me, right? So That's send right. some kind of message. It sounds, sounds like what most people are going to say, so they might as well yes. go with it. Yes. <laughs> so. Okay. So LinkedIn's good. Good to yeah. go as long as we say how we found you or probably on your website, you know, fill, get some information there. Um, you know, Look up that ROI scenario or the book. Oh, yeah. It's on Amazon, right? The book is on Amazon. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, look, it's um, it's been out there a while. The content has not changed. So someone who's really trying to kind of build their own capabilities, that's fine. I would also say the website probably has a lot more content. Look at the white papers. Okay. There might be there's a, a few webinars recorded on there because then you could really, in fact, nice. there's one, good. a good one. People can look up a good one on a lead generation ROI. Ooh, it's a like four-part series we kind of tied together, but that's that's a great B2B starting place. Four-part series. Okay, cool. We'll find yeah. that too and we'll link to it as well because that, that would be really cool as yeah. a follow-up. Well, awesome, man. Well, thanks again. This has been well, look, awesome. I got to tell you. So many more episodes and things yeah. to talk about. I got to tell you, I love the, the hardcore marketing program. I love the energy around this. And I love the CSI. I mean, this is yeah. this is smart. I mean, look, people have to break it down into manageable components and people can take it. You know, they can actually do it. That's what we want, right? Totally. Go ahead and do it. Totally. That, I, and I would do a mic drop if I could, but it's <laughs> perfect. Thing, so I can't. Yeah. But, but thanks again, Jim. And we'll definitely All have right. you back on there. Thank and you, Casey. Thanks to everybody else listening. This has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We'll catch you on the next one. Yeah.